Hi, this is Brett and welcome to Optimize. Let's talk about five questions that will make you better at hiring and outsourcing. So the big question is, how are entrepreneurs like us who have too much to do and too little time able to build both the business and the life of our dreams? That's the question. And on this podcast, we'll explore the journey to the answer. My name is Brett Ingram, entrepreneur and award-winning product creator. I chose to build a business and have a time for a personal life, and I want to help you do the same. Welcome to Optimize. Hiring and outsourcing are critically important skills to have because as we try to grow our businesses, it becomes obvious that even if we're starting off as solopreneurs, it's impossible for us to do everything and certainly impossible for us to do everything at the highest level that needs to be done. The fact is, you know, J. Paul Getty probably said it himself, the old uh, billionaire. He said, I would rather have 1% of the efforts of 100 men than 100% of myself. Because what he understood was that the only way to grow is to use leverage and to get other people and get everyone pulling in the same direction. And so as, as a manager, as an entrepreneur, as a business owner... Um, hiring and outsourcing are among the two most important skills that you could ever cultivate. If you don't have a full-time sort of employee route, if that's not the way you go, then you're going to focus more on outsourcing. If you do, then you're probably going to do more hiring. But in this case, I'm going to use them sort of interchangeably because the point is what we're doing is trying to find talent to do other things for us in our businesses. And that's really the material point. So the first question actually um, applies if you've ever hired anybody already. And it's what did we miss in the interview for the worst hire we ever made? What I like about this is the fact that it sort of flips it on its head. You know, oftentimes we're focused on, you know, what is it that we need? What are the things that we're going to do? And oftentimes if we hire somebody and it goes south and we end up letting them go or they quit, you know, it's very easy to turn around and sort of blame that person and say, well, you know, they weren't really a good fit. You know, they, they didn't understand what we wanted or, you know, whatever the case may be. But the reality of it is it does make a lot of sense to look internally at ourselves and say, well, why didn't we see these potential problems? What questions could we could we have asked? What could we have done differently to really understand that this hire was not going to work out? And in some cases, the answer is nothing. You know, if they completely lied or did something that was completely out of character and could not have been foreseen, so be it. But oftentimes this will give us clues as to potential holes in our own process and it will really help us to understand and get better at what we're doing. The second question is, what are the personality or non-skills-based traits we want in team members? You know, we focus a lot oftentimes when we're putting together a job description on, you know, the particular skills someone needs. Okay, um, you know, proficiency in Microsoft PowerPoint or, you know, the ability to design, you know, this type of graphics or do voiceovers. And it's, and it's very sort of tactically skills-based. And we feel like if we have a laundry list of the things that they could do, it's sort of like going to the grocery store. We just put all the stuff in the cart and then we check out and boom, we're good to go because we checked them all off the list. But people are far more complex than just their sort of composite of all of their skills. 
you know, I've hired people in the past that have had all the skills that they've needed for jobs, but been abysmal failures. And I've hired people in the past that didn't even have all the skills, but because of their personality traits, were able to make up for what they lacked. They were either able to, to close those gaps or to find ways to be effective despite the fact that they didn't have all the skills. And I know for me personally, I've had jobs where, you know, I, I might have, um, you know, sort of outkicked my coverage in terms of taking the job and feeling really confident and presenting that to, to people interviewing me, whereas I didn't have as much experience or skill in it when I got into the job as I pretended. And then I had to learn it on the fly, but I was committed to doing what I needed to do. So my personality and my other traits were able to overcome that. And so, you know, we focus a little bit, think a little bit about what are the things that this person needs to have that aren't just based on things that you can check off on a list. Sometimes that is going to give you a far better clue as to whether someone is a good fit for your team than they, than they are in terms of just being able to do, you know, specifically do the actual job description. The third question is, what are the traits that make our best team member our best team member? So whoever you've hired, even if it's someone that you outsource with and they're no longer with the company, or even if it's someone who did already leave or whatever, when you think back to the best person that you ever worked with at your company, what are the things about them that made them that? You know, what traits did they have? What characteristics? What were the things that they did? What were the things that they didn't do? And the more of these things that you can make a list of as we go through these questions, and the more things that you can add and build into your job description and your hiring process, the more effective that you're going to be at this. Because it's very important that these aren't questions you just reflect on once, but they're things that you actually use to evolve and use to, to you know, um, improve your hiring process and your interviewing process. It, it takes time and it takes energy to do hiring and outsourcing the right way. But it's far better to use the old carpenter's rule of measuring twice and cutting once than it is to do the opposite. You know, you're much smarter to be thorough up front, even though it takes a little bit of time and you're anxious to get somebody on the team, to make sure that they're the right fit than you are to just jump the gun, hire them, get them in, and then realize they're wrong. The cost of that is astronomical. When I was in staffing, they used to estimate for full-time hires, it actually costs you a year of the person's salary, even if you fire them quickly, because you have all of the lost money that you paid them, you have all the training period, you have all the opportunity cost of lost productivity that the right person would have had, and then you have the cost to go through and then go find the right person. So they estimate about a year's worth of salary for someone if it's a bad hire that needs to be replaced. So it's much smarter to take a little bit more time up front, do your analysis, do your evaluation. And here's the thing, you don't need to worry about the person getting jumpy because if they do, they aren't the right person for the team anyway. You know, when I got my job um, as, as a director in, in an IT consulting company, um, I was going to be one of the first hires on the East Coast for this company, and they were a West Coast-based company. And I went through seven different interviews in the process. I had um, a couple of, uh, I had a phone interview. 
I had a couple of video conferencing interviews. Then they flew me out to the office. I had two team interviews with two members of teams, people who would have been my peers. I had a lunch with someone who, let's face it, is an interview. Um, and then I sat through a staff meeting and then I had another interview. And then when I flew back, I had to meet our the company's CEO in the New York office as my last interview before I got the, the job. And as much as I really wanted the job, and as much as I was excited about it, about for them being thorough, I never got to a point where I was like, okay, well, if you don't end this now, just give me the job, I'm leaving. The more I interviewed, the more excited I got about the job. But the other important thing is the more I was right, it was right for me. So they were evaluating me, but make no mistake about it, I was evaluating them. And I was making sure that it was the right fit for me. And by the time they made me the offer, I didn't hesitate because I already knew that was the right place that I wanted to be. If they did a phone interview and offered me the job, I might have taken it and hated it. So you don't need to worry. If the person is really good, they're not insecure. They don't need to hurry up and get the job offer. That said, I mean, you want to keep, you want to always have the process moving. You know, you don't just want to have them sitting, stringing them along for, for weeks and weeks. They will leave. But I'm saying if, if there are other levels of the process, they will follow through the process if they're, if they're good and they believe in what you're doing. Um, the next question is, what are the actual deliverable results we want this new hire to achieve in their first week, 30 days, and 90 days? This is valuable because, again, oftentimes we focus on a job description. Well, these are the job things we need you to do. We need you to make, you know, these particular graphics and make posters <clears throat> and write, <clears throat> create our ads, things like that. But those aren't really deliverables. Those are tasks. The deliverables are, at the end of the first week, we want you to understand what our company stands for. <clears throat> we want you to understand what our philosophy is. We want you to understand what your job description is, what we expect of you. At the end of 30 days, we want you to produce, you know, four ad campaigns. You know, at the end of 90 days, we want you to have taken over the creative process for the company, whatever it is. You want to have those actual deliverables and you want to communicate those. So the person knows what's expected of them as well. Then you can very easily benchmark where they are, where they need to be, and whether or not they're on track. And the last question is, am I willing to make helping our new hire be successful by number one priority in their first week? This is also my favorite question. And it's a question that I created because of myself. Because I am guilty of when I hire and outsource bringing on people and giving them a list of stuff to do and just assuming if they give them their logins that they can go ahead and do it because they have competency in their skill. So why couldn't they just go do it? They don't know my company culture. They don't know my expectations. There are a lot of things that they don't know that I took for granted. And I had a lot of people, even good ones that I hired that weren't successful. And largely it was my fault. And so I created this question because Oftentimes when I hire, which is true of most people, I'm very busy. So the reason I'm hiring is so I don't need to do the job that I was already doing so I can give stuff away. So the last thing I want to do is take time out of what I'm already overwhelmed with to invest in someone else to get them up to speed. But that's exactly why you need to do it. If you want them to be productive their first week on the job, you need to invest in them fully. You need to be there at their disposal 
So every question they have, every need they have, you can get addressed. You can evaluate the work they're doing. You can give them feedback. You can help them adjust. So hopefully by the end of that first week, they're ready to hit the ground running and go. Then it takes a lot more off of your plate and you could start to be infinitely more productive. But that first week, your personal productivity is gonna take a hit because you need to invest in them to get them up to speed and maximize their productivity. And it's something that I made the mistake of, but the other brilliant thing that you get out of this is let's say worst case scenario, you made a bad hire. You are going to be able to find that out in your first week. Because if they keep asking the same questions, if they keep having the same problems, if you have to keep re, like reiterating and telling them the same things over and over and over again, they aren't learning, they aren't figuring it out. That's somebody, those are red flags that this is someone who's going to be a problem. And so it, you can minimize your losses by getting rid of them quickly if it isn't the right fit. But most importantly, if it is the right fit, you then set them up for success which then sets you up for success, higher productivity, and a reduced workload on yourself, which is ultimately what you want. And so you need to be, ask yourself in all honesty, if you aren't willing to invest that first week, multiple hours a day into making them successful, then you probably aren't ready to hire yet. You need to get to a point where you're ready to do that, then hire, do that, and then let them go and watch how your personal productivity and your company's productivity skyrockets. If you focus on those questions and you embed them into your hiring and outsourcing process, you will find that you become far better at hiring and outsourcing and you make far more good hires than bad ones and that your productivity will reach all new levels. Be sure to subscribe so you get every episode and share it with a friend. And until next time, remember, no matter what you want from your business and your life, don't compromise, optimize.